Welcome to Epic, everybody. My name is Brian. Um, I'm one of the pastors on staff here. To everybody that's on campus today, thanks for showing up at church today. If you're visiting with us online today, thanks for taking some time out of your day uh, just to show up. And I believe today is going to be a great day. Uh, like Sarah said just a moment ago, we're in part two of a sermon series that we started last week called Servolution. And I uh, wonder how many of you were here last week and you heard our band introduce our anthem. Have you been kind of like I have been all week long, just kind of going around singing that little ditty in your head all, all week long? You say you want a revolution. Anybody else like that? You've been going around singing that? Yes, yeah, some of you in the house today. All right. It made an impact. So great, uh, great for, uh, for, for um, engaging in that. And our band did a fantastic job. If you missed that, you can go back to our uh, social media sites, our YouTube channel, our website, and you can look uh, at the entire service and view it. And I promise you, it'll be a blessing and it'll be an encouragement uh, to you if you'll do that, okay? Uh, we are in part two of a series that I believe is going to be the spark uh, that ignites a servolution in Flagler County and beyond. And as a part of this particular sermon series, we are including part three, which will be next week, actually 3G Sunday. And I'm super excited about everything that's going to happen next Sunday. And we're going to have an amazing day. Uh, but before we get to that, I want us to drill down a little bit more into this idea of uh, what it means for us to be servants of Jesus, like that video talked about there um, just a moment ago, okay? So here's what I want to do as we begin today, all right? I'm going to throw a word on the screen. When I throw a word on the screen, what, is, uh, what are some things that come to mind when you see that word? Anybody? Serving. Serving. What else? Love. Love. All right, when you see the word ministry... Um, a lot of times people have the idea that, that that is something that vocational pastors and priests and professional clergy do, if there is such a thing, which I doubt there really is, all right? Uh, uh, but a lot of people associate the idea of ministry as something that only certain groups of people do. Uh, there are a lot of times when I'm having conversations with people or I meet somebody and, you know, we're having small talk, chit chat kind of thing. What do you do for a living? What do you do? This kind of thing. And, and somebody asks me, what do you do for a living? I tell them that I'm a pastor. A common response to that is, oh, you're in the ministry, whatever that means. And a lot of people in our culture and our society today associate this word right here with something that only a certain group of people are supposed to do or can do. And that is totally not true. Uh, matter of fact, it's the opposite of what the Bible teaches. As a matter of fact, uh, ministry is something that everybody can do. Uh, when you look at the fundamental purposes for which God created us as human beings, this is one of them. God created us for ministry. Uh, and ministry is actually something that everybody can do. And if you're here today and you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, meaning there's been a moment in time where you confessed your sin, you asked Jesus to forgive you, and you ask him to help you navigate uh, the, the life that you live on a daily basis and to take you to be with heaven in heaven one day with him in eternity. If you're a Christ follower, ministry is something that we are commanded to do. You know what that means it's not optional. Uh, it's expected. And, and the Bible teaches this idea of ministry 
Uh, and it's something that everybody can do. So let me define ministry for you today because this is something that, that we need to just kind of lay some foundation, some groundwork today as we jump into what we're going we're gonna to study today, okay? So uh, uh, here's a, a simple definition of, of ministry, all right? Ministry can be any activity that we do. In other words, it's action oriented, okay? That's a, it, it's kind of has to do with a, a verb. It's something that we do. It, it's any activity that we do that helps people or that points people to Jesus or builds up the body of Christ. And listen how the Apostle Paul explains this in Ephesians chapter number two and verse number 10, all right? Here's what he said to the church at Ephesus. He said, for we are his creation. The his there is, is God's creation. In other words, we are created in the image of Almighty God. He created us, he made us, and, and he expects something from us as his creation. For we are his creation, created in Christ Jesus, look here, for good works. Now notice, he does not say uh, by our good works, that we are created in Christ Jesus by our good works. In other words, there's nothing that you and I could ever quote unquote do to earn salvation in and of itself. It's a free gift that God has already given to us. But he says, because God created us in Christ Jesus, he saved us, why? For good works, which God prepared ahead of time so that we should walk in them, so that we should live a life of good works and service to other people. And then he goes on to say in the book of Ephesians, chapter four, verses 11, it says, and he, that's God again, personally, all right? He, he created us unique. Uh, we are special, unique individuals. So he personally gave some, talks about the gifts and abilities that he gives us. He gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, and some teachers, look here, for the training of the saints in the work of the, what? Ministry. For the training of the saints for the work of the ministry. Why? To build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's son, growing into a mature man with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. What those few verses basically mean is that God gave certain people certain gifts and talents to use to help other people discover their gift, their talent, their ability, so that we all can go out and serve others and make a difference and make a contribution to our culture and to our society. So here's our key takeaway for today, okay? If you're a note taker, I would encourage you to write this down. You can pick up one of our spiritual growth challenges uh, at the Connection Center on your way out, or you can download it off of our website, and, and there'll be some great information that you can unpack this week in your personal time with God or in your small group, maybe, uh, that you're in this particular week. But here's our takeaway for today, okay? Our takeaway for today is that God created us, and he saved us to make a contribution with our lives. God created us. And he saved us to make a contribution with our lives. In other words, God created us and saved us to be spiritual contributors and not spiritual consumers. 
Listen, if you showed up at church today for what you can get from God, I don't mean to hurt your feelings, but you showed up for the wrong reason today. Because when we show up at church on Sunday morning, it's so that we can make a contribution so that we can worship Jesus as our Lord and as our Savior, and we can get equipped and trained uh, through the teaching of his word, through the ministry of music, and, and all kinds of activities that we've got going on this campus today, so that we can get, we can get trained and go out and put into practice what we have actually learned when we gather together corporately within the body of Christ. And God expects us to be spiritual contributors and not spiritual consumers. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Say, uh-huh. uh-huh. All right. We're on the same page today. Okay. And that's basically what Ephesians, what Paul's saying there in the book of Ephesians. Now there's some great examples in the New Testament of this. Matter of fact, the apostle Paul said this about himself and some of his coworkers uh, in first Corinthians chapter number three. He says, so now notice this, this is really important, okay? He says, what then is Apollos and what is Paul? He doesn't say, who is Apollos? Doesn't that make more sense? He doesn't say, who is Paul? Here's what he said, what? Remember our definition of ministry? It is something that we do, all right? He says, so what is Apollos and what is Paul? They are what? Servants through whom you believed. And each has a role that the Lord has given him. Paul goes on to say in verse six, I planted the seeds of the gospel in your life and in in, in your city. Apollos watered those seeds, but look here, but God gave the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who gives the growth. In other words, Paul said, I realize and understand that as a Christ follower, that God created me and saved me to be a spiritual contributor and not a spiritual consumer. And my duty and my responsibility and my gifting is to go around telling anybody and everybody who will listen who Jesus is, what he's done for them, and how that they can have a close personal relationship with him by inviting him into their life to be their Lord and to be their Savior. And we know that the Apostle Paul spent the rest of his life after he had that encounter on the Damascus Road fulfilling that mission and that purpose that God gave him. But Paul says, I'm just the guy that God chose to to, to spread the message. God sent somebody else, his name was Apollos, to water the seeds that I've planted in other people's lives. But at the end of the day, it's not about Paul. It's not about Apollos. It's about Jesus because God is the one who gives the increase. So you know what that does for you and I? That takes the pressure off of us as Christ followers. We can't change anybody. We can't save anybody. But you know what we can do? We can love on them and we can serve them and we can do something for them that points them to Jesus or builds up the body of Christ as a whole. And then just let God do the rest. Because when we just are obedient to do what God says to do, that's when God's going to show up and do something special and supernatural in our lives. Did you know that, um, that Jesus had a ministry? Listen to what he said about himself in John chapter 17 and verse four. He's talking to his father in the, as he's about to be arrested, just the night before he's arrested. 
And he knows he's going to the cross. And here's what he says. He says, I have glorified you, talking to his father, on the earth by completing the work that you gave me to do. You remember when Jesus was hanging on the cross and he said, it is finished. And the Bible says he breathed his last breath. You know what he did? He completed his ministry. He completed his task. And he told the father before he went there, he said, I've done everything that you told me to do. And if Jesus has a ministry, guess what? You and I have a ministry. If Jesus had a contribution to make to humanity, you and I have a contribution to make to humanity. And then maybe another example is one we're going to hang our hat on today. And if you've been around church very much at all, maybe if you grew up in church, you went to a vacation Bible school or something like that, you may have heard this particular story we're going to look at in Luke chapter number 10. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. So if you have a copy of a Bible, I would encourage you to turn to Luke chapter number 10. We're going to start in verse 25 in just a moment. If you don't have a copy and you would like one, we have free Bibles out at our groups and care station. We would love to give you one today. If you'll stop by there, we'll give you one today free of charge that you can have for your very own. If you don't have one while you're sitting here, just pay attention to the screens and we're going to throw some scripture on there for you to help you engage with our, with our study today. Okay? So here's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the DNA of a real servant. The DNA of a real servant. And this is kind of a litmus test for us. This is something that we can kind of measure ourselves against to see if we really truly are the kind of contributors to our culture and our society that God wants us um, to be. So let me, let me read verses 25 through 32 to kind of set up the backstory because what you have here is Jesus engaging in his ministry, his earthly ministry, and he was upsetting the religious people of his day because Jesus was hanging out with people that they didn't want to hang out with. And Jesus was showing up and doing things for people that, uh, that nobody else had ever done. And, and they didn't like it really well because Jesus was kind of uh, interfering on their territory, so to speak. So they're looking for any opportunity they can to trap Jesus and to accuse him of blasphemy so that they can ultimately capture him, imprison him, and hopefully kill him one day, which is ultimately what they did. So that's the backstory, and listen to how the, uh, the writer of Luke uh, sets this story up. It says, just then, an expert in the law stood up to test him. Now, this would be kind of like a religious lawyer of the day, somebody who was very familiar with the Old Testament law that God gave Moses and the Israelites on Mount Sinai, okay? Uh, this is a very smart individual. We could compare them uh, to somebody who's been through law school in our culture and our society today, owns their own practice, maybe a judge or something like that, okay? It says, uh, just then, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus saying, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Then I love what Jesus does next. As only Jesus can do, he answers his question with a question. And here's what he says. He says, what is written in the law? He asked him, how do you read it? And then this old boy answered. And what this guy does is he kind of shows off how smart he is. And he quotes the Old Testament law, uh, which would have been in our Bible, the, the book of Deuteronomy. And he goes back and he says, well, the law says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. 
And listen how Jesus responded. You've answered correctly, he told them. Ding, 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 you've won the prize, all right? You get the green jelly bean today, all right? You have answered correctly, uh, Jesus told him in verse 28. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify, he asked himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus took up that question and said, So here's a guy who's asked the question, and Jesus is going to answer the question, but first he's going to tell a story, and he's going to use this story to answer that question, and we'll get to the answer to the question in just a minute. So he says this, he said, there was a man who was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell into the hands of robbers. Now we know that this person was a Jewish man because he was going from Jerusalem uh, to Jericho, all right? And he says there in, in verse number 30, uh, verse number 30, he says, a man was going down, and he fell into the hands of robbers, and they stripped him, and they beat him up, and they fled, leaving him half dead. And then look what happens in verse 31. A priest, professional religious person, somebody quote unquote in the ministry says a priest, a priest happened to be going by down the road. And when he saw him, the man that was beaten and bloodied and bruised, he passed by on the other side. In the same way, Jesus said, a Levite, another professional clergy, somebody who's supposedly in the ministry, all right, of their day, a Levite, when he arrived at the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But then Jesus picks up the story, and here's where the twist comes in. He says in verse number 33, but a a Samaritan on his journey came up to him. So here's what I want to do today. Starting in verse number 33, I want us to talk about the DNA of a real servant, Because here's somebody who had absolutely nothing in common with the Jewish man who had been robbed, beaten, and left half dead. Uh, And a Samaritan who had somebody who had nothing to do with Jewish people because of their, uh, the differences of their culture. And we've, uh, we've talked about that before at, at Epic and other sermon series, but Jesus uses this to, to help us understand what the DNA of a real servant really looks like. And in verse number 33, here's what he says, but a Samaritan on his journey came up to him. So here's the first thing I want you to know about a real servant. The DNA of a real servant is a real servant serves when it's not convenient. A real servant serves when it's not convenient. The Bible says he was on his journey and came up to him. This old boy was not just out power walking, getting his exercise. He was not strolling through the park. He was not making a run down to the, to the store to grab a few things. The Bible says, and we're going to see in just a minute, that he had an animal with him and he had all of his belongings packed and he was on a journey. In other words, he was headed somewhere where he had to be for a specific task and he probably wasn't coming back anytime soon. So let me ask you a question today. Anybody ever been on a planned trip? with an itinerary, that, that you, whether it was a vacation or a business trip or something like that. Uh, a lot of times when we plan those trips, uh, we don't build in a whole lot of, of free time or time to waste in those trips. Why? Because we got somewhere we want to be. We got something we want to do. We want to make sure we've got plenty of time to get it done so that we can get back on time when we're supposed to be there. Anybody else been on a trip like that? I have many, many times. But real servants serve when it's not convenient. 
I remember very vividly uh, uh, just a few uh, months after I got my driver's license when I was 16 years old. And my, um, my father and I were traveling to North Carolina, which is where uh, our family is from. And uh, we were headed to North Carolina for a family function. And I don't even remember the circumstances, but it was necessary for us to take two vehicles. I think maybe because uh, him and mom maybe had to get back home before, before I did. But he was driving in front of me and I was driving behind him. The last couple hours of the trip were on these back country roads of North Carolina. And I remember as we were traveling down these country roads, we passed a vehicle that was sitting on the side of the road. And I didn't think anything of it, didn't pay any attention to it. We were just boogie on down through the country and, and we were trying to get where we were going so that we could get to our family function. And as we came a couple miles into the next little town, my dad pulled into this little store and I pulled up next to him. I rolled my window down and he said, just sit right here real tight. I'll be back in a few minutes. Now this is before cell phones. Okay. I didn't have a clue as to, you know, what was going on. Did I miss something? Where was dad going? So I just did what he told me to do. I sat there and just, just waited. And in a few minutes, dad came rolling back in. And this time he had somebody else with him. And who it was, was the old boy that was in that car that was sitting back on the side of the road, several miles that we passed. And and between the time that we passed him and the time that we got into the next little town, dad said he just felt like God said, go back and see if you can help that old boy. And we didn't know what the situation was. And come to find out when the guy got out of my dad's car, uh, he was crippled. He had braces on both legs and had those crutches that attached to your arms that, that, that helped him to walk. He had no way to, to, his car had broken down. He had no way to get a hold of anybody. This was before cell phones and that kind of thing. But, but what stuck out to me is, you know, we got someplace to be, but my dad understood there's somebody that maybe needed some help. And he took time to serve when it wasn't convenient. You know what? As I look around the landscape of epic week in and week out, month in and month out, year in and year out, you know what I see? A whole lot of people who serve when it's not convenient. And I especially want to brag on our, our, our prep team and our setup team and our tech team. You know what? These folks show up here every single Sunday morning at 6.45 a.m. while most of you are still snoozing. And they're making preparation for us to do church and to worship together. And you know what? I'm part of that team. And there are a lot of Sunday mornings. You know what? I don't want to roll out of bed that early and come and show up. But you know what? We do what we do because what God's called us and gifted us to do. And I'm so grateful for the people who show up and serve at Epic when it's not always convenient. And real servants, this story tells us, serve when it's not convenient. The second thing this story teaches us is that real servants pay attention to real needs. Look at what it says there. Um, but a Samaritan on his journey in verse 33 came upon him and when he saw the man, he had compassion. When he looked over there in that ditch, he saw that old boy who'd been beaten and bruised and bloodied and battered and left for dead is what the text says. He couldn't just pass by. He had to engage. He had to do something. Why? Because he saw and he was paying attention to a specific need. 
You know, when you, when you think about the question that the lawyer asked, because of what we know about uh, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious people of Jesus's day, when I, I just have to believe when he asked that question of Jesus, Jesus, who was my neighbor? He wasn't thinking about anybody specifically. He was just trying to trap Jesus. He wasn't really interested in who his neighbor really was. And that got me thinking how many times, and I'm guilty of this just like the next person is. You know what? We talk about things like poverty and, and sickness and disease and AIDS and social justice and all that stuff. Uh, but what Jesus did is he took all this high altitude conversation that, that up here a lot of times doesn't really mean a whole lot, and he put a name and a face on it. And he drilled down into the individual that this person saw in need that, that, that needed somebody to help and to serve him. And real servants pay attention to real needs. It says, when he saw the man, he had compassion. Back in 2001, I met for the first time um, one of my lifelong friends now. Um, when we moved back to Florida in 2001, I was looking for a family, a doctor, and I found a guy by the name of Danny. Me and my family know him affectionately as Dr. Dan. And uh, uh, I started to go see Danny several times a year, uh, and our family started to go see Danny, and it became uh, very evident really, really quick uh, that Danny was a Christ follower and that Danny was using his gift of, of medicine and his knowledge of how the body works uh, to be able to help people and to serve people in the vocational calling uh, that, that God had, uh, ha had called him to. And uh, about seven years ago, uh, Danny, uh, when I went to see him one day, Danny said this to me. He said, Brian, he said, you know, I've been involved in, 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 in uh, global missions for a long time. He would go in, on mission trips and do medical ministry and that kind of thing. And he loved the local church. He was engaged and involved in his local church. He said, Brian, I, I just really feel like God is calling me to start a free medical clinic right here in our community. I said, Danny, that's great, man. I think you're the guy for the job because I know your heart and I know your passion. And I want you to know I'm going to be praying for you and thinking about it. He said, well, I need help. I said, well, what do you need? He said, I just need somebody that can come alongside and, and, and help, me, help me walk out the journey. And I said, I don't know anything about medicine. I'm certainly not a doctor, um, but I'll do whatever you need me to do. We began a relationship of working toward starting a brand new free medical clinic in our community. And you know why we did that? It's because one guy, as he was living his life in his vocational calling, recognized needs that people had in their community and he paid attention to what their needs are and it upset him to the point where he said, you know what, I've got to do something about this. And Danny would tell me that he, had, he would have patients that would come into his office and they had to choose between buying groceries, putting gas in their car, or buying their medicine. And that were the choices that they had to make. And it upset Danny to the point to where he realized, I've got to do something. I'm going to continue Danny's story in just a minute, but the point here is he was paying attention to real needs as he lived out his life every day in what God called him to do. And that's what God wants you and I to do as well. 
No matter where you're at, if you're a plumber, you're an electrician, you're a carpenter, you're, you're a nurse, you're a school teacher, uh, whatever vocation you are, God just wants us to pay attention to the needs around us because they're, they're there everywhere. And we live in a fallen and broken world. And real servants pay attention to real needs. Here's the third thing. Real servants do the best with what they have. Real servants do the best they can with what they have. Verse 34 says, they went over to him. He went over to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he put him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. This old boy was on a journey. He had his stuff packed with him. You know what he had? He had some bandages, which were probably just some rags. He had some oil, he had some wine, and he had an old donkey, probably an animal. He said, you know what? I don't have much, but I can do something. The Bible says that he bandaged the old boy's wounds with oil and wine, which was medicine of the day. And he picked that old boy up and he put him on his animal and he he walked him into the next town and he found a, a motel or a hotel where he could put him up for a few days. What was he doing? He was doing the best he could with what he had, where he was at. And you know what? You and I can do the same thing. Because really, at the end of the day, none of us really has anything of significance to offer to Jesus. And what Jesus just really wants us to do is to offer him what we have and let him take it and use it and bless it. I like to say it this way. Do what you can with what you have wherever you're at. It's what I call the good enough principle. Because at the end of the day, and don't miss this, less than perfect service is always better than the best intentions. Less than perfect service is always better than the best intentions. In the early days of starting that free medical clinic, Danny said, Brian, we need a location. I said, well, how about a church building? Will that work? That's all we got. He said, that'll work. You know what we started doing for the first three and a half years of that ministry? We started converting our nursery and our children's classroom and our auditorium into a examination room, into a triage room, and into a waiting room and an intake room. And we started, he recruited some of his, his, his friends in his network who were doctors and loved to volunteer and serve people who were underserved and uninsured. And twice a month for about four years, we would transform our church building uh, into a free medical clinic where people could show up and see a licensed professional healthcare provider, get diagnosed, get a prescription, get the medicines they need, and we never charged a person to die. And I'm so grateful for Danny because he recognized the needs and he was willing to not let something hinder him because he didn't have something and he was willing to just use what he had in the moment available to him to help people who desperately needed help. And real servants do the best they can with what they have. And I'm proud to say that today, Putnam County Medical Mission is about eight years old And that little church building that we used to transform twice a month now is a full-time, fully functioning, licensed doctor's office for people who are uninsured and underserved. And they've given away over $1 million over the last eight years of free medical care to people who can't afford it. Why? Because one guy said, you know what? Here's the need. 
that somebody needs to met, needs, needs to meet. And God's gifted me. God's called me. God's created me. And I'm going to do something about it. Number four, real servants are generous with their resources. Look at what it says in verse 35. It says, the next day he took out two denarii. Two denarii. A denarii in this particular day was a full day's wage. So just think about what well, if you take your income, what's a full day's wage for you? The Bible says this old boy took two full day's wages out uh, and, and made provision for this guy who was a stranger who really was an enemy, all right, as, as a Jew. Uh, he, he took out two days' wages to take care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. Because real servants are generous with their resources. This is the principle of sowing and reaping. And this is not a message about finances and money. It's a message that, that uh, really want, God wants us to understand that everything we have belongs to him. And when we're generous with our resources, you know what God does? God shows up and he blesses it and he grows it and he multiplies it and he makes a greater impact than you and I could ever make individually by ourselves. But God's just wanting us to be generous with what he's blessed us with. So let me ask you something. What's God blessed you with? Listen, if you're here today, he's blessed you with health, first of all. The ability just to get up out of bed today. You probably got in some kind of transportation today, and when you actually turned the key on it, guess what? It started. And it was able to get you from point A to point B, maybe in some kind of climate control environment. And you showed up at a place today. God has blessed us beyond anything we could ever imagine or dream. You know what God just wants us to do? He just wants us to be generous with what he's blessed us with. Maybe you can just give somebody a ride this week who doesn't have a car. Maybe you can buy somebody's lunch who doesn't have enough money to buy lunch for their kids to go to school. I don't know what it might look like for you. God just wants us to be generous with our resources. And that's what this guy did. Another thing I love about Danny, uh, about two and a half years ago, Danny came to me, said, Brian, I, I really believe that God's calling me to to give away free Bibles to persecuted Christians in persecuted countries. Places where it's illegal for people to show up like you and I are showing up today and go to church openly and corporately. Where if you get caught with a copy of a Bible in your possession, you're gonna be put in prison and could be killed for your faith. Countries where there are people who literally would die for one page of a Bible that you and I probably have six or eight maybe sitting on our shelf at home. And Brian said, uh, Danny said, Brian, I, I feel like God wants me to give away Bibles. I said, all right, how many think we, we ought to give away? He said, well, the number that keeps coming to me is 10,000. I said, all right, it's no big deal. God can do that. How do you want to do it? He said, well, let's just start talking about it. So we just started talking about, hey, we believe God's called us to give away 10,000 Bibles. We don't know how long that's going to take. Uh, they're six bucks a piece, and I'm not a math uh, 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 scholar by any stretch of imagination, but in my math, that's like 60,000 bucks. Where are we going to get 60,000 bucks? Don't matter. God said, do it. We're just going to be obedient. And so Danny said, you know what? I'm never going to ask people to do it. I'm not willing to do it myself. I'm going to buy the first thousand. So he bought the first thousand. He took $6,000 out of his account. He said, I'm going to buy the first thousand. We just started talking that up. 
And I got a text from Danny about two and a half weeks ago. They're about two years into the 10K Bible drive. He said, Brian, just want to let you know, we just gave away our 10,000th Bible in less than two years. Yeah, that's something we're celebrating. You know what they're doing? People who are generous with what God's blessed them with. You know what? I'm not a wealthy person, but I can buy a Bible for six bucks. I can give it, send it to to, to a Christian in another country so that they can hear the word of God and read the word of God and and be encouraged in their faith to continue to keep on, keep on in, in the face of persecution. And real servants are generous with their resources. Here's the fifth thing. Real servants finish the job and maintain a low profile. You never hear about this guy mentioned ever again. Jesus is telling this story. He never mentions him again, but listen to what the last part of verse 35 says. It says, he brought him to the inn. He gave the innkeeper two denarii. Take care of him. And look at what the next phrase says. And when I come back, I'll reimburse you for whatever extra you spend. He finished the job and he maintained a low profile. And here's what I know about real servants. Real servants don't serve for applause or for approval. They serve for an audience of one. And his name is Jesus. Because even if nobody else notices what we do for people, uh, to point people to Jesus or to build up the body of Christ, guess who does notice? Jesus. And guess who's keeping a tally? Jesus is. And real servants finish the job and maintain a low profile. And then Jesus, finally, after telling this story in verses 36 and 37, gets to the answer that the old boy asked in verse number 25. Listen to what Jesus said. Which of these three do you think proved to be the neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? Here's what the lawyer replied. The one who showed mercy to him, he said, Then listen to what Jesus told him. Go and do the same. You know who Jesus is talking to there? You and me. Because God's word word is true and timeless for all people in all ages. Go and do the same. One of my favorite people at Epic is my friend Mark. So check out this video about Mark And then we're going to wrap up um, our time together in just a minute, okay? Hello, folks. I'm Mark. I'm a proud member of the Epic family. I serve at, uh, here at the Grace Food Pantry. I also serve at uh, Alpha Pregnancy Thrift Store. What serving has done as an impact on my life, I would say that it has made me Uh, much more humble, much more, I realize much more how much God has given me. What I thought was mine, it really isn't, that I'm really just the storekeeper of my my treasures, and then I have to give them out to people, so I share. My relationship with God is changing in the sense that I'm closer to Him. I think that when we all start our walks, there's that wall that separates us from God. And it's that wall's full of bricks, things that we need to take down and throw away so that we can get closer to it. And one of those things for me was being humble. And by serving, by truly seeing the needs of other people, I'm just very humble. 
towards God, and uh, all I want to do is serve. Probably the biggest impact has been that I, I have made some tremendous friends throughout this. Our, our men's group, we started out in, in Espanola. We have um, cut lawns, we've picked up trash, we've cut down brush, we even replaced stairs at one of these ladies' houses out there. If you're thinking about serving, I'd suggest you take a ride down County Road 13 and see how people live in our county. See how other people live. And if, tell me that you're not good with that. If you're not good with that, come and see me or Brian and we'll get you involved in helping. If you're still on the sidelines and you're thinking about serving, here's, here's my advice to you. I think there's two reasons that you haven't jumped in. One is you don't know what to do. And two is you're not sure that you're gonna be able to do what you're required to do. Grace Food Pantry, the Alpha Pregnancy Thrift Store. The county has a, has a uh, volunteer program that you can call. You can even call Pastor Brian and, and get involved with him. Plus, the setup at church. All I can say is open your heart, read your Bible, and listen to God, because he's gonna put it in your heart, something to do. There's, there's gonna be many ways to serve. And if the first time you try it, it's not for you, try something else. My main point would be just get in the game because it's out there and, and the needs are there. Yeah, go Mark. For most people, serving is the opposite of our natural inclination. Because a lot of times we're just, we're self-centered, aren't we? I'll be the first one to admit that. Um, most of the time we're more interested in serve us than serve us. But the mature Christ follower, the person who really wants to be a contributor instead of a consumer, is going to stop asking the question, who's going to meet my needs? And we're going to start asking the question, whose needs can I meet? And then just show up and do the best you can with what you've got, where you're at. So let me ask you a question today. Do you ever ask that question? Whose needs can I meet? Are, are you looking and listening in your daily life, the people that God has placed in your life, for opportunities to be the hands and the feet and the voice of Jesus? And here's what I promise you. If you'll pray about it, if you'll listen and you'll look, God will put people in your life that he wants you to serve. You won't have to go looking for it. He'll put people in your life that he wants you to serve. Jesus, uh, Mark said something there a moment ago. He said, just get in the game. And I love that phrase. Uh, here's what that means to me. And I don't mean to, uh, uh, to step on anybody's toes today, but I just feel like the brevity of this idea of service is so important to Jesus and his kingdom that I need to say this so that we all understand it today. Jesus didn't die on the cross the way that he died, the brutal, horrific death that he died at the hands of the Roman soldiers. Jesus didn't die on the cross so that we could sit on the sidelines and cheer other people on. He died so that you and I could get in the game and make a contribution with our lives. And the very least that we can do is use our gift, our talent, and our ability to serve other people and to make a contribution so that our community, so that our state, so that our nation and our world can be a better place. So let me give you three action steps as we close today. All right, three action steps that uh, you can engage in right now, 
today. Number one, you can sign up for 3G Sunday next week. We're having live signups as you leave today. Uh, there'll be sign-up sheets out there. There'll be people that can answer questions about projects. You don't have to be a, a, a master carpenter or a skilled craftsman in anything. You just have to have a heart for people and want to serve and show up and be willing to make a contribution. So we still have some opportunities for you to serve. Uh, I'd love to see a few people continue to sign up for First Baptist Academy and let's get those ball goals installed for those children on their school campus so they can have some recreation time uh, uh, as they continue their school year this year. And there are other projects that you might want to engage in as well. How many of you took some four flagler cards last week? Anybody take some four flagler cards last week? If you're out, we've got some more, okay? Take some of these four flagler cards. They're located next to the giving boxes right behind each seating section right here, will you? Take some more of them. And as you have opportunities to serve people, either hand this to an individual or leave it on their windshield or in their door uh, and just just let them know that they matter to you and that you have served them. And you never know the conversations that God's going to allow you to have with people if you'll just be obedient to serve when God speaks to you. And then here's the third thing. Last week, we, we launched a brand new initiative at Epic called Four Flagler Groups. And um, this is in addition to our, our existing community group uh, structure. Uh, these are for people who really want to, uh, to engage in serving other people simply and strategically. So if you're interested in joining a four flagler group, we had a great response last week. And I, I just believe we're going to finish that off today with people who are serious about getting in the game. So if you're interested in learning about a four flagler group, you can stop by our groups and care table on the way out. There'll be somebody there that can answer some questions for you. But basically, we're asking people to commit just for the next three months. We're not asking you to join a group for the rest of your life or for a year, but for the next 90 days, would you commit to meeting together twice a month? It'll cost you about six or eight hours a month. And, and, and you'll be amazed at the difference that it will make in your life in other people's lives. So if you're interested in that, you can either sign up online at theepicchurch.com or you can stop by our groups and care table and there's a sign-up sheet there as well. So whatever God's saying to you today, here's my challenge, just be obedient. Just take that first step. Uh, Just just engage at whatever level God wants you to engage. And I promise you, um, he's gonna bless you for it, okay? So I'm gonna pray for us in just a second. And I'm going to invite you to stand and our band's going to come back out and they're going to lead us in one more worship song. This is your time with God. And whatever God's saying to you today, I just want to encourage you to respond to him uh, obediently and spend this personal time with him and talk to him about maybe something that he's put on your heart today. After our band is finished with this last song, uh, myself and there'll be a couple prayer partners that'll be available at the front of the stage. We'd love to talk to you. We'd love to pray with you or for you, maybe about something that God uh, has spoken to you about today. So we would encourage you uh, to engage in those conversations as well. Okay, so can I invite you to stand to your feet? Let's have a word of prayer and then we're gonna sing one more song together. God, thanks for today. And um, again, for the privilege that we have Uh, to engage in your word uh, at Epic. And Lord, thanks for uh, the story of the Good Samaritan. Uh, Lord, it really shows us what the DNA of a real servant uh, really looks like. So God, as we just kind of examine our own lives and uh, measure ourselves against the standard that you have set in scripture, 
Um, Lord, I know that there's many times in my life where I just don't measure up and I don't take the opportunity to do what I know you're telling me to do. And I'm asking you today to forgive me for those moments. But God, I've been so blessed over the years when those opportunities come. And Lord, I've tried to do the best I can with what I have, where I'm at. And God, for some crazy reason, you've, you've blessed it. And Lord, I want that for everybody within the sound of my voice today. So God, whatever you're saying, uh, whatever you want us to do, Lord, help us just to be obedient today and take those steps towards you and towards others and know that we'll never, ever, ever regret being a servant. For it's all these things I pray and ask in your name. Amen.